Blog Talk Radio. Talking about what is and what ain't country What gives them the right to wear a pair of beat-up boots Is it the size of your tires and your fires or your wild-ass buddies Well, give me a minute, let me hit you with some hometown truth You can be a cowboy on the Texas plane Or a plowboy Waiting on the rain We're all a little different But we're all the same Everybody doing their own thing I got my dirt road cred When I was 12 On a no-cap tractor Hauling in bells Backing in boats Fishing limb lines Running bird dogs Through the Georgia pines Stepside covered down in peanut dust Friday night spotlighting that was us It might not have been you But I can't judge Just be proud what makes your country? Does it run in your blood? Did it come from your daddy and mama? Were you converted by an Alabama song on the radio that feels so right? Did you lock eyes with a little green-eyed girl from Jackson? I just gotta know Me, I got my Sunday Learning in a live old church Silver queen corn in the backyard dirt Waiting for the fall to finally come along So I can grab my gun and get my outside on Stepside covered down in peanut dust Friday night spotlighting that was us It might not have been you But I can't judge, just be proud of It might not have been you, but I ain't judging, just be proud of what makes your country. Whatever makes your country. You do your kind of country. Darlington Raceway, tradition comes alive. And Earnhardt will win his second Southern 500. 70 years of racing at the track too tough to tame. His sixth victory at the Darlington Raceway in South Carolina, Jeff Gordon will win. Come celebrate the 90s with us at Darlington Raceway on Labor Day weekend. To purchase tickets, call 866-459-RACE or visit DarlingtonRaceway.com. South Carolina, just right. I'm Matt DiBenedetto, driver of the number 95 Procore Toyota Camry, and you're listening to The Pit Stop with Tim Despain.
Good evening from Dug and Nation. I'm Tim Despain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. He's right outside of Richmond Raceway there in the Commonwealth. Stephen, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing pretty good. I'm still. I'm doing good. Glad to have you back. Uh, I was going to say I went solo for two weeks, but two weeks ago I have a good friend, Grady Sapp, coming there. We had Lambert Reynolds on. Uh, Grady Sapp, uh, former morning show host there at uh, WTDR Thunder 92.7, moved on down to another radio station just north of Auburn there. And he joined me with Larry McReynolds. We had a good show that night. And then last week I went solo with Spencer Board after Spencer made his uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series debut there with uh, in that number 53 car there. Anyway, but Stephen, uh, do we have any breaking news? I know, you know, we got we got news about Dale Earnhardt Jr. We got that, but that's not really breaking. But is there anything that we need to get off our chest before we get Ray Black Jr. come? Oh, let me go ahead and say that. Yeah. Uh, Ray Black Jr., driver number 07, uh, Chevy Camaro there in the NASCAR Xfinity Series for SS Greenlight Racing is going to be joining us here shortly, about 15 to 20 after the hour. We're going to bring him on. I, I want to get, I want to talk to him a lot about how that, uh, how, how that PJ1 affected everything there at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. You know, Bristol put that on the bottom there. But Stephen, you got the floors. Anything we need to talk about, bro? Um, that well. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can talk some about what what happened at Bristol. Um, I, you know, honestly, I think uh, you know this week has kind of showed us some of the underbelly, unfortunately, of the business of NASCAR, and you know what these teams and drivers go through on a weekly basis or even on a yearly basis. You know, earlier in the week, it it, it hadn't been, but just a couple of days earlier that. Um, you know, Matt DiBenedetto, obviously, I mean, you know, it's been out there for quite some time that um, everybody was pretty sure that Eric Bell, uh, Eric, Eric <laughs> Christopher Bell was going over to the number 95 for the lead by Sam's Racing. And, uh, you know, Matt Benedetto finally, you know, was told that he wasn't going to be back. Um, and then he goes out there and he leaves the most last at Crystal Motor Speedway in the night race there on Saturday night and, um, you know, with just 11 laps to go. He was 11 laps away from going to victory lane uh, for his first Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series win. And, uh, you know, he still finishes second, which is his career best finish in in the Cup Series. Um, You know, it just kind of shows that the underbelly of, you know, some of the things that go on the business side of these teams, the drivers they go to, you know, you know, it could have been a situation where, you know, even I um, made comment on Twitter where, you know, about 15, 20 laps ago or something like that, where, you know, he was just, you know, just a handful of laps away or so from going to victory lane and having to sit in the media center with the guy that just fired him. Um, and, you know, sometimes that can be like that really weird feeling, like, what do you say, what do you do, how do you answer the questions, because, you know, here you are, you're sitting next to the guy that just, just lets you go from, from the race team, and, and a handful of days later, you're, you're a winner in the sport for the first time for that team, they, you know, had never gotten a win in the sport, they, uh, you know, they're, they're moving on to other things, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, Matt DiBenedetto will probably be okay. Um, people can see him uh, as, as a driver that's capable of going out there, um, taking equipment that, you know, Levine Family Racing has been one of those 20, 25th kind of place teams for such a long time. And, you know, I hate to say bad things about JGR, but they get JGR equipment and then they push out a really good driver. Um, to put one of their own Toyota drivers in, in the car because obviously JGR doesn't have any space because of the limitations of the four car teams that, that they're going to have their own. So they're doing a similar situation which they did with Eric Jones just a couple of years ago where they um, put him on furniture of a racing car. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. ends up winning the championship, outperforms JGR. Uh, on a multitude of metrics, almost week in and week out, and, and uh, uh, you know, JGR turns up the heat or turns up the fire, um, 
on the cost of affiliation, which then you know, Furniture Row Racing ended up having to fold, and uh, that that stuck Martin Truex Jr. in that number 19 car um, that we see him in today. So this kind of just kind of feels like just a whole redo of the Furniture Row Racing, where I think you know Levine Family Racing is going to have to make some decisions in the future. And those decisions may be coming where they're going to have to face an uncertain future or a future like Furniture Row Racing does. Because I don't see Christopher Bell staying in that number 95 car for years and years and years and years. If somebody is going away from JGR in the next couple of years, whether that's going to be Denny Hamlin, if that's going to be Eric Jones, I don't know. But either way, one of them is is going to retire or is going to be let go from the team. And Levine Family Racing is going to be stuck back in a situation where they're not going to have this help. And the help that they do get, which right now is predicated, which has always been predicated on the fact that they would get Christopher Bell at least for a year or two, that this price of affiliation is going to make them have to make some really hard decisions on whether they can continue in this sport and it's unfortunate that the business of the sport that the way it is today, that you you almost have to have an alliance with the bigger team, but it just seems like GGR is the one team that may have the best equipment, but doesn't always seem like the best option for you because, you know, if it's another team that's sunk because of the financial aspects of what they're paying GGR for the support, and sometimes at the end of the day, I guess it's just not even worth it, even no matter how much of a short-term gain you may get out of this. But, you know, we'll see what happens. We've got a new car coming. Some of the people think the new car will lessen the impact of these affiliations. Well, I don't seem to think so because you're only going to have, you know, Ford is going to have the, the Stuart Hosses and the uh, and the Penske's. Uh, Chevrolet is going to have the Richard Childress and the Hendricks of the world. And uh, Toyota is going to have the JGRs of the world that have the most money to spend on fabrication, testing, and fine-tuning these cars, and everybody else has to fall in line with them. As you mentioned, Stephen, there, Matt Benedetto got his uh, best career finish there in the uh, Bass Pro Shop site race there at Bristol Motor Speedway. And I'm thinking a few years back, uh, three, four years ago, when he was with Ron Devine, you and I had him on the show. He had a P6 there also at Bristol, and I think it was the spring race when he got that P6 finish there. But just like you were uh, saying, uh, Matt Benedetto, it's that feel-good story. And uh, Denny Hamlin won that race there, the uh, Fast Pro Shops night race there at uh, Bristol. And to, I'm sure you watched the Media Center interview there when Matt Benedetto come down there and congratulated Denny Hamlin. And Denny Hamlin also was on Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90, and he made the statement. He said, you know, look, uh, I didn't – I had to do what I had to do, but it was like Denny was like, oh, man, shit. I got – why can't he just pass me or something? It was like Denny was all in the emotion there that – if Matt would have won, that would have put him in the chase going into Homestead Mamie Speedway Ford Championship weekend this year, brother. But, I mean, it was just – it was an emotional night. It was a Cinderella story. And I think someone asked uh, Deanie on Sirius that thing on Channel 90 what he and Matt Benedetto talked about when they went out. Uh, they didn't go off camera. They sort of went off mic. And they talked about some stuff, and Deanie said, that's personal. That's between – myself and Matt, and I think that's just a real feel-good story there, Stephen, about how the drivers, along with the fans, love this guy, Matt Benedetto. No, I think it is, and I think that, again, and you know, we always kind of root for the underdog. I think it's just human nature to sometimes root for that underdog that's, uh, uh, you know, right there, right on that cusp has the opportunity to kind of come in and, and, and throw things around and uh, maybe, you know, the publishers of the world don't get to win every week. And, uh, you know, we, we, we just we just 
get to see just that underdog, uh, underdog story just kind of uh, uh, develop. And I think that, you know, right now he's not only, I don't think he, I think he's moved on from the underdog story to some degree to probably one of the most popular drivers in NASCAR currently at this time. Um, and I think that's just this whole situation has given him a platform to do so. And I think that just makes him more attractive or attractive to to uh, to some of these other teams out there. Uh, you know, for um, front run motorsports and losing David Reagan, you know, they're one of those kind of mid tier teams that sometimes gets to go out there and uh, um, throws things around just a little bit like they did at Talladega a couple of years ago with uh, you know, David Reagan winning the race and uh, David Gillen coming in second. Um, so I think um, it, it, I'm not saying that's where Matt Bagnetto is going to land at by any means, but um, you know, I think there's going to be some opportunities for him coming up. And, Stephen, some of the rumor, Phil, I'm sure you have heard also. And, it, listeners, this is just rumor. You know, uh, I don't want to wish nothing bad on my good friend Clint Boyer. I love Clint Boyer. Very good friend of mine. But there's mentioned maybe Matt DiBenedetto going over to Stuart Haas in the 14 car. And, you know, Stephen, this is silly season time. Like you mentioned, our good friend David Reagan announced the other day last week that he will not come back for full-time competition. Now, full-time fans, full-time competition, he will not come back for Furniture Row Motorsports there, like you mentioned, Stephen. And like I said, it's silly season. Where do we think we could, and you mentioned earlier about Christopher Bell. we got a lot of young drivers. Uh, the day and times of the sport now is all the teams are doing this development stuff. They're bringing these young drivers up through ARCA up through the trucks, up through the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Where do you think we could say, I mean, I don't think Matt DiBenedetto, Matt DiBenedetto uh, Guido, whatever, will, will be out of a ride next year. Where do you think we might see Guido next year in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series? Just just your opinion, your opinion on Well, um, yeah, I mean, you brought up the fact of Clint Boyer, but I think that honestly, I think Clint Boyer is going to at least come back. Um, I think that you know that that 14 team is going to be left there, and and I don't know maybe the 41 team. I'm not sure, um, but Cole Custer is going to take one of those seats. Which one of them? Okay. I'm not particularly sure. Kevin Harvick, maybe, might, maybe, but I think that really it's going to be the 14 or 41. Um, you know, Suarez is only on a one-year deal right now, um, and as I've last heard, he has not extended that deal beyond this year, um, although he has put himself in the, the title championship hunt um, after his uh, P6 seventh finish, whatever it was. There at Bristol this past weekend, um, but where the Matt Benedetto goes, I don't know. I think we've got at least a couple more weeks, a couple more months, where we're going to have to, uh, where we're going to have to uh, um, kind of, you know, see where some things shake out at this point. Exactly. And even while we're on the uh, silly season deal, I want to talk about. Uh, uh, the number 48 car there with Rick Hendrick Motorsports, you know, they, uh, they filled Cliff Daniels in the crew chief there and got rid of, uh, Kevin, Kevin Mandarin. And there's rumor there that, uh, well, I don't want to say rumor. I'm going to say the 48 car, it don't look like he's going to make the chase, Stephen. And it's been a long, been a long time coming since, uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson put that number 48 car there for Hendrick Motorsports in uh, Victory Lane. 
Do you think there could be a change coming? Like I mentioned, this is silly season. And listeners, we're just speculating. We're just speculating. Do you think Jimmy Johnson could be out at Hendrick Motorsports? And that could leave a spot open there, too, just throwing that out there for Matt Benedetto or someone else. Uh, just what's your opinion and your opinion? Uh, Opinion only. We're not going to hold you to it, too. No, I don't think the 48. I don't think Jim Johnson is going to be out. He's signed to a lifetime contract just as Jeff Gordon was. So Jim Johnson's time at at Hendrick Motorsports will come to an end when Jim Johnson wants it to come to an end. Um, I think he has a lot of valuable... He has a lot of value to the team, especially with the young crop of drivers that they have over there with William Byron and Alex Bowman in the cars over there along with Chase Elliott. Um, I think they really need somebody, uh, you know, while Jeff Gordon is still also involved with Hendrick Motorsports and predominantly um, in the second part of the season when he doesn't have other duties with Fox. Um, I, I, I think that they need some stability, they need some uh, veteran status and knowledge that are, uh, Jimmy Johnson brings along. And, and this is somebody that can go to the racetrack every single week. This is somebody that can talk to all the crew chiefs. This is somebody that has enough years of experience running at these racetracks where they can uh, come to him, ask questions, ask for opinions, uh, follow him on the racetrack. Um, so as far as the way that Jimmy Johnson all shakes out over there, Jimmy Johnson, like I said, Jimmy Johnson's time at Hendrick Motorsport is going to end just like uh, Jeff Gordon's time did when he's ready for it to end. Um, do I expect that probably it will be sooner than later? Sure, yes. But, you know, Jimmy Johnson is never going to be in that car for the rest of his life. He's not going to be in there for another significant portion of his life. His racing career is coming to an end. It's obviously coming to an end. Um, and, and uh, you know, well, Jimmy, I think, feels that he can still be in that race car, and I think that he can be in the race car. I don't doubt his talent by any means. But the talent that's coming into the sport is increasing every year. They're becoming younger. Um, they're able to do things with cars that, that veterans may not be willing to do. I mean, let's just take a look. Ross Chessane, he's a very young driver that's in the sport, he's now in good equipment, and now he can do things that veterans probably, and we've seen, uh, kind of ruffle their feathers a little bit because the veterans are more conservative, they're thinking the long game, whereas you got the, the Ross Chastain's of the world who are more um, forceful and going to take what they want when they want it and how they're going to want it. Um, so uh, as far as it relates to Jimmy Johnson, I think that's kind of the same situation where it kind of gives some of that leveling of, of you know, that, that young mindset where they can come to him and kind of put them on, you know, an even keel before they do go out. And I mean, this is, again, it's not a dig against Ross Chastain. I'm just showing that as a comparison, but... You know, maybe that kind of gives them a little bit more uh, um, information as to what they want to do, how they want to run. But also, you know, they, it, it, he he still has value in it. And I just think at some point, yes, he's going to be gone. It's going to be sooner than later. But when that is, I don't know. I would say in the next couple of years. Stephen, let's talk some NASCAR Xfinity Series racing. We've got our good friend Ray Black Jr. We had had him on in, I don't know, Ray, probably three or four years. I want to thank you for taking time to come on here. And uh, let's blame Ray, Ray Black Jr., driver of the number 07, Chevrolet Camaro there for uh, SS Greenlight Racing in the NASCAR Finish Series. Let's bring Ray in the pit stop with him in Spain and Stephen Wood. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Ray Black Jr., how you doing tonight, brother? Hey guys, I'm doing great, how are y'all? I'm doing good. Glad to have you back on. It's been, I don't know, right, two or three years since I talked to you. How's everything going? You still scuba diving and all that kind of stuff down there in Florida? 
Oh, yeah. We haven't uh, done much different. I mean, I've been working still, diving in my old man and stuff like that and uh and been racing full-time you know this year and uh it's been going pretty well for me so i can't complain exactly again ray thank you very much for taking time to call in i'm gonna hand you over to my good friend Stephen wilson speedwaydivedish.com he's right outside of richmond and let him ask you a few questions and i got a few before we let you jump out of here again ray thank you very much for coming on Stephen wilson you got the floor awesome great thanks sir. Max, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here um, tonight. Um, I, I, I think a lot of uh, the first question I want to ask you about is what a lot of people, as Tim kind of alluded to here just a second ago, is the scuba diving portion. And we know a lot of different drivers are into a lot of different things, but you know, I think you're the first driver that we've, we've heard from that that actively scuba dives as much as you do and is involved in the scuba diving. So how did you get into it? And how much of that of that is a part of your life away from the racetrack? Well, for sure, it's definitely a huge part of my life. And uh, you know, growing up, that's what my uh, my dad did. You know, all his life, pretty much. He joined the military and got to diving really, really early, like 19 years old or whatnot, 18. And uh, so he's been doing that forever. And um, you know, when I was growing up, I moved to my dad a little bit later on. I was like nine or ten, something like that. And then. That's pretty much all I did all the time. I like get in the pool and then start diving and just like little things at a time. And I don't know. I always kind of see myself doing diving and, and working with old man for the rest of my life. And then, uh, so it was definitely it was, it was different when I got into racing at like 14. Uh, I, I jumped into it and I was actually kind of good at it. And then we just kept pursuing it. So, you know, I, I raced until I was what, 18 years old. Did a lot of late model racing and. Uh, when I turned 18, you know, my dad made a deal with me. He's like, you, you come work with me and, and learn my my trade and, and keep progressing in the diving world. And, and then later on down the road, if you still want to race, we'll, we'll, we'll work it out and see what we can do. And uh, so that's kind of what I did. And, uh, you know, I turned 18, became an uh, instructor for scuba diving and also for commercial diving. And so my dad had a business, and that, that kind of went to the side because he was training a lot of people. So I took over that. And we worked around the southeast and northeast and stuff like that. And I worked, you know, up and down and trained divers everywhere and traveled a lot with that. And I turned, like, 24, and then, you know, I still had an opportunity to go race. And I kind of still dabbled in the late model scene. And, and then uh, eventually, you know, we got an opportunity to go truck racing a little bit with Bobby Dodder. And it come, came out of nowhere. And, you know, I asked my old man if he'd help me out getting into that ride. And he said yes. And then we obviously went around looking for other scuba diving sponsors and we got lucky and got a few of them to start off with and uh yeah so it's kind of cool you know um how that have that dynamic and I, I feel like i grew up a lot just with uh with diving and it's a very dangerous uh work environment and you know i, I wouldn't i wouldn't change it to the world though but and then i got into racing and then it was just like second nature to me and i've had so much fun over the years i've been doing it almost five years i guess and uh you know, it's the same thing. You're traveling, you got a team with you, and um, you know you're you're working, but you're having a lot of fun. And so that's what I've been doing for the last few years. And I still do a lot of diving. You know, we have a a job down in St. Kitts we we work on, and I try to get down there in the off weekends and stuff like that. So I went down to St. Kitts like a month ago, and helped helped them out a little bit. So that was fun. Well, you 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 just kind of alluded again to the to kind of where you know the two sports intersect in the it will the sport of NASCAR and scuba diving kind of intersect in that they're both inherently dangerous. Um, how, do you, how do you take and wrap your head around the fact um, that you're involved in, in two different professions that are, are, are inherently dangerous? Um, you know, sometimes people, you know, they see race cars and they don't always understand the inherent dangers behind them, but you know, how, how are you able to wrap your head around the inherent dangers of the two aspects of your life? And, and what are you doing to constantly um, better yourself to, to mitigate some of those dangers that, that arise both inside the race car and when you're out scuba diving? Uh, yeah, you know, definitely. If, if I'd pick one, the diving is, you know, more dangerous, I'd say, just because there's a lot more unknown factors and, and you're kind of – when you're diving and working and even like having fun scuba diving, you're kind of, you're on your own merit and whatever you do, it kind of decides what happened next. Um, and so things like that. And that's what I grew up when I was growing up, you know, the, the safety was embedded in my mind every day. 
working with my dad and uh that was the number one thing that that we were about was just making sure we're, we we plan our dives you know numerous times and make sure we go all over the safety plans and and the backup plans a b c d e all all of them and so you know I, I did that all the time and you know that was kind of the big deal is you know it there's just there's no reason to take immediate chances and and go out of the way to do things and then what they would call a cowboy diver you know and and those guys that they had you know they, they might get a little more work done just because they're, they're willing to push that boundaries and um but you know all it takes about one one unlucky moment that you, you know you may even plan for it it just it happens and then there's nothing you can do about it and it's just unfortunate you know it happens all the time but so we always practice safety and, and make sure we're padding in our dives and stuff like that and and then with the racing you know it's you know, there's a lot of variables. I mean, just getting hurt in a race car from an accident or things like that. It's, I mean, those are obviously big, big moments. They've gotten a lot safer with race cars, but you know, nowadays, I mean, they're a lot safer, but now they're a lot more insulated on the inside, the cockpits, and, and we're running, you know, a lot of places right side windows, and you know, the the roll cages are are, are padded up with a sheet metal and things like that, thick metal. I mean. So it gets really hot. I mean, that's one of the dangers too. I mean, like a lot of these guys. I mean, you 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 knock the wall down and knock some crush panels out. I mean, you're, I mean, you're having heat strokes and things like that. And these guys are falling out of seat. So I mean, it's it's pretty ridiculous. So there's a lot of things you can get hurt with, you know, damage your, your brain and stuff like that. And, and concussions are a big part of it. So yeah, there's a lot of things on just instead of breaking bones and, and things like that that people might not think of. And uh, I trust the guys I'm with, and I'm always very open if something's bothering me. If I get a headache, you know, we always try to stay on top of it. And this summer has been extremely hot, one of the hottest I can remember in racing. So we uh, we definitely try to stay ahead of the heat and stuff like that, for sure. 2019, you've come back full-time in the Xfinity Series, um, running for SS Greenlight Racing. Man, sometimes I, I can't get that out of my mouth. But talk about just a little bit about how that how that deal came together that you would be back in the car this year after running part time in twenty eighteen and what are you guys what are you guys looking for throughout the rest of the year to improve upon? Yeah, I ran uh, let's see, ten races last year with BJ McLeod. Uh great team. You know, they're small and up and coming and uh, they got a lot of cars this year and uh, they're doing a great job. So I was able to race with them and, and, and keep tabs with Bobby and uh, they had, you know, that year they had full slate with uh, Spencer and Joey and uh, so and then Gray got the well the, what the 35 ride was so now he's in a zero eight and then they had an open spot and we've been talking to talking to Isocrine for a little bit and um, you know we reached out to him and they were able to pull some money together and, and jump on board with us man it was huge and um, so yeah we we first call we made was to Bob for sure and see if, you know obviously we didn't bring as much money as we thought we would. But we figured we'd give him a shot anyway because he's, he's always understandable and realistic, and then he'll just tell you what the real deal is. And he, he accepted our terms, and, I mean, he's, we've done a fantastic job with the cars we have. I mean, these things are have been really fast. I mean, we've, we've been running top 20 almost every week, and, um, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun. And up to this point, you know, I, you know we'd be, we would have been fighting for the a chase spot if we wouldn't have had, like, four DNFs so far. We've blown up motors and, you know, had two blow motors. Um, uh, one of the track bar broke at Texas. We were running like 14th. I mean, just little things like that have been really holding us down. And last weekend, you know, Bristol was a great track for us, and we were doing a really good job. And I mean, I thought we were we were racing top 10 cars all all night. And uh, after all the carnage, we had a spark plug pull out. You know, so we were running on seven cylinders on lap four. It happened, and I just kind of worked our day over, and um, so that one sucked. But they, they keep their head up, and we still got a 15th place finish out of it. And um, so it, it's definitely an up and down ride. I mean, I wish we'd have some better luck throughout the year. I mean, because the ones that we end up getting, you know, the bad luck races in, a lot of guys that we're racing against have really good races, like Talladega and things like that. So we got some work to do um, on on our side, and I got a lot of things to work on in myself. And uh, but we're we're coming together, so I'm hoping we get to come back another year and just keep building on this this run we have. Well, yeah, I appreciate you taking time to come on here tonight. Talk to us. Best of luck in the rest of 2019. I'm going to throw you back over to Tim. Good luck. Appreciate it. Thank you.
Thanks, David. Ray, like you alluded there, uh, you had a P15 finish in the Food City 300 there at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway this past weekend. Can you talk a little bit about, which I know you mentioned you had the uh, issues there, but you uh, you uh, qualified 22nd. You come back out, you put it uh, you put it P15 there at the end. Did you run the lower groove there where uh, NASCAR put the PJ1 down and 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 are – just let us know. Let our listeners know exactly how how your car handled and where did you actually run good down in the PJ one or up or up medium high or up, or up high, right? Yeah. So it was. Um, so I'll, I'll touch back on the spring race. We we you know they didn't really kill the top at the spring race. I guess I grinded it down for this one. So I was running the top, and I thought that was the fastest way around. I've always liked the top the top around Bristol. I've always felt most comfortable. There, even if, if it's not the faster way, I guess I feel like it. It is faster when you're just driving it. And uh, so this weekend, we were, you know, three, four tenths faster on the uh, the bottom. And once our motor like literally lapped four on the start of the race, and I'm, you know, I'm digging, and it happened. So, and then I was like, all right. So I was, I kind of figured I didn't know it was a spark plug, but I knew something happened with the motor. And so I was like, I'm gonna try to run the top and just keep momentum up, and then that'll be good. And then, oh. Early in the race, we couldn't run it at all. It was just so bumpy and a lot of not grip at all. So it was just killing our momentum. So I went to the bottom the whole race pretty much. We actually made a lot of ground up. And um, luckily, the it was, the spark plug didn't come on unhooked. It just kind of like the wire was like cut in half. So like the the motor was like kick on and off a little bit. But majority was off. But like at the end of the run, like a long run, for some reason, it'd get lucky and just stay in place for a lap or two. And we but it was just hard because, like, you come off the bottom and I'm matting it, like, way earlier than everybody else, just trying to get the motor rolling. And um, and then we lose a little bit on the straightaway. So, luckily, it, it was just def- – it was really hard to pass people, like, completing passes because they pulled me, like, half a car length getting in the corners. And, uh, you know, our car was really good through the middle, so that one saved us a lot. We're finishing 15th. And, and at that last rest- uh, that last caution, we were running, like, 13th. And then as soon as the caution came out, I was like, oh, boy, so we're going to have to fight tooth and nail here. We ended up fighting with J.J. Yelly for 15. <laughs> you know, we got a little close to him, and it was fun. And yeah, just this little thing like that, you know, it's, it's a long race. And, but we definitely had a top-10 car. We were around, you know, uh, Timmy Hill finished seventh, and we were racing him all day. So definitely bummed about that. And, Ray, Bristol Motor Speedway there, uh, you know, it's, it's just something. There's nothing about Bristol. It's the world's fastest half mile. And to let our to let our listeners know also, uh, the pit style the pit style deals there. Y'all have to pit on the front and the back. You had pit style uh sixteen, right, on the front stretch. Mm-hmm. Can you let our listeners know exactly how good a pit style that was and how did how did you have to enter pit road? I think NASCAR has y'all enter pit road off of turn two to come back around. Can you let our listeners know about that pit style foot? Yeah, so on our green, you can come down just the front stretch, um, but under caution, you have to come down off turn two. And uh, so that was a really good spot for us to have. And and so the the biggest good thing about it was this: it, it was like on the it, like on the exit, pretty much on the exit on the front stretch, you exit off. And that's kind of where we were. So that was kind of nice. Is like you don't have to come like all the way around and, and risk getting mistaken and stuff like that. So like as soon as we got out of our box, we we're pretty close to getting off that road. And that way they can get more prepared and stuff like that. Because you have problems and under caution, you know, to swing back down, then they have a, you know, like 35 seconds or 40 seconds uh, to get ready for it. So that was uh, a good deal. And and uh, luckily we weren't pitted next to nobody that we were racing hard against. And that can get that can get hairy sometimes. I mean, guys will block you in, and and their guys changing tires will run wide and try to make you kind of push your car out and get you all sideways and stuff like that. So. There's always tricks on pit road, but it all went pretty smooth, and um, so that was nice for sure. And, Ray, my final question. Uh, we're going to the 10th annual Z-Tech Manufacturing 180 for NASCAR Extended Series Road America there. Can you let our listeners know exactly what you expect there on the road course up there at uh, Road America? Uh, I know you're a big road course driver, but uh, what are we looking at, bro? Yeah, yeah, Run America is, is an awesome track. I've raced her one time uh, in 2016. I finished, I think, 15th or whatnot, maybe 14th. I don't remember, but uh, it's 
fun track. I mean, it, it's just, it's, well, I don't know, four miles long. So it's a very long, long straightaway on the front. I mean, it's all uphill. So like a lot of motor, a lot of motor goes into that place. And if you have a good one, then you're going to just climb up that hill. You know, game, you know, seven tenths right there. So that's a pretty big deal. But the whole back section is really fun to drive. And a lot of fast corners. Um, it gets crazy. I mean, I'm sure y'all watched last year where Jeremy Clements went in. So that was pretty wild. A lot of fuel strategy happening, and hopefully, you know, and usually road courses go green just because there's single single car spins and stuff like that. So no big deals. Um, but I'm looking for a really good finish. You know, Watkins win. We should have had top 15. I had a speeding felony that that really ruined us. And then Mid Ohio, you know, it was just an average race. Finished 19th. Wasn't nothing spectacular. Um, so I'm looking to, to pull one out and just keep getting better on these finishes. So top 15 would be nice. Stay out of mess. Hope for a late re- restart if we're not doing great. Um, and then just ruffle some people up and move into that top 15 spot and be happy. Amen, brother. And, Ray, before we let you jump out of here, well, we always let our drivers. You've, you've been on before. Thank all your sponsors. Thank anybody that has helped you get to where you're at now. And uh, we'll let you jump out of here, brother. You got your floor. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I love coming on the show. I'd love to do it more than once every three years, so let me know. And uh, I want to thank Icy Kern and, and uh, SS Greenlight, man. They, they've been two huge supports of my career. And I'm looking forward to hopefully pulling out uh, next another year with these guys. So hopefully that will be good. And uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Ray Black Jr. So let me know, guys. Thanks, Ray. We'll get you back on. Sorry about that delay. But anyway, good luck this weekend up there at Road America. And we will talk. Uh, we will see you in Darlington. I know myself and Suzanne Stephen, we will be in Darlington Raceway uh, in a couple of weeks to see you there. Uh, Ray, good luck again. And thank you very much for taking time to come on, brother. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks. Sorry, Steven. <laughs> I had all kind of windows open. Yeah, that was Ray Black Jr. there. Uh, first time we had him on in a few years, and he said he wants to come back on. So whenever Ray Black Jr. wants to come on with Tim Spain and Steven Winslow, he's welcome. And, Steven, he mentioned a lot about uh, uh, up there at Bristol, about the bottom groove with all that P.J. Warren and all that kind of stuff. But he also talked a lot about sponsorship with you, too, and a, a lot about that scuba deal. And uh, we've had him on, like I said, years ago, and we always talked about his scuba deal. And he said, Tim, if y'all ever come down, come down to Daytona, I'll take y'all. We'll go scuba diving. I said, no, Ray. I'm not going no further down than what a daggum pool is there. But, uh. Oh, oh, a lot of good feedback there, Stephen, from Ray Black Jr. in the NASCAR Spanish series. Yeah, I'm, you know, one of the things it's talking about the little groove out there at Bristol Motor Speedway is, you know, they did try and put that PG-1 stuff down uh, on, on the track. And, you know, one of the other things that they actually did was they went out and, uh, well, it's mine. Uh, went out there and cleaned the top curve off from uh, the the years of, of rubber that had built up, and basically they had uh, used push sprayers and just kind of scraped that stuff off, um, get it off, um, hoping that people would went up a little bit, pushed to the wall, and other guys were trying to open up another group out there, but there was a lot of drivers that um, kind of didn't like this. Uh, Denny Hamlin took issue at this as well as some other drivers out there, but. You know, um, at the end of the day, you know, Bristol's just one of those really hard racetracks to get around no matter what you do. It's kind of like Martinsville, um, where there's usually typically a single groove um, through the majority of it, and you really just got to use the, the chrome horn to get somebody out of the way. You're going to make a run on them, and you're going to try and pass them at a place like Bristol and Martinsville. And I think that's kind of what makes it most exciting for a lot of fans. And, I mean, this weekend, I mean, you have to look at, not only that, but I, I think there's a resurgence of, of people at short tracks that you, you looked at how many people came to Bristol. It was probably one of the, long, the largest crowds that they have had in quite some time. Um, was it anywhere close to sell? No, but um, at the same token, um, 
you know, they were they were probably a good close to two thirds full and that place holds like, you know, hundred and sixty five, eight thousand, something like that. So you know, any day you can get ninety, ninety five thousand people in that place. Um, they even edging up to a hundred if you probably count everybody in the infield suites and you know, what have you. Um you know, what is a really good day, and the perception is of, uh, you know, we're we're in a sport that's in a rebound, and um, I think we kind of saw that uh, between the action, um, you know, at, at Bristol Motor Speedway, and the fans that came out to watch uh, the race, race this past weekend between the trucks Xfinity and the Monster Energy National Cup Series. They're going to come up here on top of the hour. Uh, I thought we're going to go ahead and get ready to jump out of here. Uh, I'm on a, uh, I have the NASCAR uh, Gander at Door Truck Series race schedule you there uh, via MREN, and I'm going to let you do the NASCAR Xfinity Series stuff there. Uh, Saturday, August 24th, the Gander at Door Truck Series final practice, 9.35 a.m. to 10.25 a.m. No TV, no radio. Gander Outdoors Truck Series final practice, 11.35 a.m., 12.55 p.m., no radio, no TV. And then Sunday, August 25th, we got the Gander Outdoors Truck Series qualifying, 9.35 a.m. Your TV is going to be Fox Sports 2, radio pre-race, 2 p.m., MRN has that. TV pre-race, 2 p.m., Fox Sports 1 has that. And your Gander Outdoors Truck Series, Chevrolet. Silverado 250 2.30pm there MRN has your radio And Fox Sports 1 has your TV And Steve I don't want to put you on the spot If you want to let everybody know What the NASCAR Xfinity Series Schedule is you got the floor bro I think I might have lost Steve Steve you get it bro Hey, you there? Sorry, I, I had you on mute. Yeah, um, Xfinity Series is going to be out at Road, Atlanta, uh, Road America this this weekend um, on Saturday, August 24th, out there with uh, Xfinity Series qualifying at 11.40 a.m. Then at um, 3 o'clock, uh, the SeaTac, um, Lord, the SeaTac 180 is, is going to take place. NBCS and we'll have your coverage on television, and Marin will have your radio coverage out there. Um, so, um, trucks and extending this weekend. Cup Series has it off, so um, should be a good time. They get to shine on their own. That's right, brother. And Steve, I want to thank you very much for being part of this show. Thank you very much for hosting my website. You do an awesome job there, brother. And uh, let it, let, to let everybody know, uh, be fast, man. If you ever need a host for your website. Be Fast Mag. Just search Be Fast Mag. He does an awesome freaking job. He don't charge a lot, but he does really good. And, Stephen, I want to thank you very much for taking time to come on tonight. And I want to thank uh, Ray Black Jr. Uh, for taking time to come on. And, Stephen, I think uh, you and I will be, uh, you and I am, and Suzanne will be in uh, Darlington. Not long, brother. We ain't got long. We're going to go, yeah. brother. Yeah, no, you know, we got uh, about 10 more days, and uh, it'll be Darlington Southern 500 weekend. Exactly. And you can follow myself, Stephen, myself, Tim Despain, and StephenWilson.com, StephenWilson.com, for all your racing needs. And again, Stephen, thank you very much. We're going to sign off from Talladega. I want to thank. Uh, Ray Black Jr. again. I want to thank Frenchy, his PR guy there, for getting him on. And again, we will talk to you next Tuesday evening. I have asked for Kerry uh, Thart from Dodger Raceway. We'll see if we can get him on. And again, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Pit Stop with Jimmy Spain and Stephen Wilson. Until next Tuesday night, see ya.
I've known some painted ladies that sparkled in the light. Country girls that love the lovers' moon. Some I never really knew, who always wanted to. Some I only met once in a room. Some said they liked my smile, others of them stayed a while. While others left me on the run This is the only way Only way I have to say Championship. Battle for the lead in Vegas, door to door. September 13th through 15th. Harvick to the point now, midway through three and four. Tickets are going fast at LVMS.com. Truex trying to make a pass. Or call 800-644-4444 for the South Point 400 9th grade weekend. Kyle Busch made contact with the wall here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. 